This is the EWN Podcast Network. Everybody wants to win. It's how we define success in life. Michelle Nagel explores resilience, teaches you happiness hacks, and provides tools for building positive relationships, all of which are essential for winning at the game of life. Join us to learn how to roar. Welcome to Roar to Win. This is your host, Michelle Nagel, and I'm here today with our guest expert, Cricket Harrison. And Cricket is a professional speaker and productivity and performance expert. She's the author of Focus to the Finish Line, Five Steps to Follow Through, and Finally Make Money. Cricket founded Bright Outside the Box, LLC, to help clients maximize their potential by developing strategies for success based on individual learning styles, utilizing cutting-edge training, knowledge, and personal experience. She's also the founder of the Smart Success Club, an online accountability group for entrepreneurs. As a certified master speaker, Cricket served as lead coach trainer for Speak, a membership-based speaking platform helping aspiring speakers to get good, get known, and get paid. She worked with over 150 speakers a year. Cricket also serves on the National Speakers Association Board of Directors for the Georgia Chapter. Cricket has been featured in Forbes Women Online and interviewed by USA Today. Speaking engagements include small businesses, networking groups, radio interviews, telesummits, and national conferences. Cricket has a degree from the University of Texas in psychology and organizational communication. Cricket's strengths are in presentation skills, communication, planning, productivity, and performance. She resides in Atlanta with her husband, Brian, their three children, two dogs, and her mom. When not working, carpooling, or doing laundry, <laughs> cricket can be found on the tennis court or the beach. So that's quite an amazing uh, list of things that you have accomplished, cricket, and I think that's really pretty amazing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. It's funny. I was listening to you read that, and I was like, dang, I've done all that. <laughs> but I realized, so October of 2018 is 16 years for me, so I've been doing this for 16 years. So That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. We're really looking forward to hearing your expertise today. So in our, um, our acronym of ROAR, which is to remind our listeners, is resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. Um, we have had the conversation that the one that, res- that resonated most, most with you was which one? We were talking about accountability. That's right. Yeah. And so what is accountability and how do you see that? So... You know, accountability to me, I have a friend who I love her definition. She just calls it course correction. It's keeping people on track. And I think accountability is also, yes, it's keeping people on track. It's, you know, the definition, I hold you accountable. You're responsible for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But I think as business owners, it's also keeping people in the vision, uh, keeping ourselves in the vision, keeping uh, that that's what motivates us to move forward is, is so it's, it's more than just doing things. Interesting. That's an interesting definition I haven't heard before. So why is accountability so important? Well, I think, you know, if we're talking about the business world, because it doesn't exist without it, right? You depend on your partners, your teammates, maybe even in your family, right? You depend on family members to do what they say they're going to do. You, you need to be able to know that they will be accountable for their actions, that they will they will come through when they say they're going to come through. They'll be responsible for it. And it's not going to be a perfect world. Uh, we all have, you know, forgetfulness times. But I think for any of us to function, 
and to see success, to see an end result that we want, to accomplish a goal that we want, there's got to be some accountability in there. There's got to be something that's going to keep us on track because this day and age, there are too many things vying for our attention to pull us in 10 different directions. And then we feel busy and exhausted, but we don't get anything done because we're never moving in one direction far enough to see any action or traction from it. Okay, so we talk about accountability. Um, what do you see as the opposite of accountability? Ooh, that's a good question. So if I'm not accountable, um, gosh, I, you know, a couple of different words come to mind, and I don't know if they're really the opposite. If I, I know that if I am not accountable to someone, um, and I say I will be, so here's the key, if I, if I commit to it, right, if I say I will be, then um, I think it's disrespectfulness. Okay. You know, I don't think people procrastinate all the time on purpose. We could talk a lot about um, people aren't accountable. They don't get the work done because they get overwhelmed or they procrastinate. I don't think people always do it on purpose. But I think when you have made a commitment, and I think when you commit to yourself as well, we are the worst. I just think human beings in general are the worst at talking ourselves out of things we really want or things we've committed to by giving some sort of rational explanation that really is just an excuse and I think we have to be respectful of ourselves and those deep down wishes desires dreams whatever that that accountability piece is going to get us that accountability exists for a reason or we want it to exist for a reason right it's getting us to the next level to the next place we want to be to an end goal to a vacation to whatever it is we're working towards to helping our children with homework I don't know what it is you know everybody has so many things pulling at them and I think it's so important that we honor the commitment we make to ourselves. and so not only if I've committed to you Michelle and I don't do it and I'm not accountable to you then I think it's disrespectful to you and our relationship if we were to work together I think I'm disrespecting myself and I'm not honoring myself as much. And I think internally we end up feeling bad. Uh, we lack confidence. We have a lot of self-doubt and uncertainty around ourselves when we don't do what we say we're going to do. Okay. So um, in, in my world, choice is everything. Mm -hmm. um, and there is, we get to choose absolutely everything that we think, do, or feel but I can't choose what you do. You get to be in charge of yourself and do mm -hmm. what you want to think, feel, and do. So um, accountability uh, is, is the sister piece, I guess, to choice, in my opinion. We've got choice, and then you have to be accountable for those choices. There are consequences for every choice, whether they're good consequences or bad consequences. And so when you talk about making a commitment to ourself, why do you think we are so willing to let go of that commitment before any other? Well, I think there's, um, first of all, I think there's a deeper piece here. I think there's a part of the, we are at choice at a conscious level. Subconsciously, we're not always sure that we're at choice. The ultimate goal is for us to realize we are at choice, but sometimes there is such a deeper level of something going on where if people are trying to do something and they put out, you know, I run accountability groups and I see people that try to, they, you know, they've got big dreams and I want to support them. And I'm never going to tell anybody, no, you can't reach your dream. I'm going to say, can we, can we support you there? But I think, you know, when something's really big or really important to people, there's somewhere back way down deep, there's, there's a fear there oftentimes. 
And I think that, so subconsciously, while, while we say and we put it out there, I think subconsciously sometimes we self-sabotage or we change or we rationalize and we're not accountable uh, because of fear. So now ask me your question again, because I, I forgot you were talking about the choice. So, um, so yeah, I, I just want to do, on my end, what I see is sometimes I think people want to be accountable and they make a choice consciously, but subconsciously they're doing something to work against themselves. And then there was the second half of your question, which I've now forgotten. <laughs> the second half of the question was, why do you think that, that we are um, more willing to... Got it. That's right. <laughs> um, you know, I think there's something about being... First of all, accountability, accountability to self is hard, which is why we know that when we put ourselves out there and say it out loud and put it in front of a group or a room or a coach or a, a partner or somebody... It's because now it's part of being accountable to someone else. We want to live up to our word to someone else, even if it's for ourselves. And if it's just, a, you know, we're so good as human beings about doing things for other people. Well, most of us are but about doing things for other people, right? Putting other people first. We, you know, we often see that, um, you know, we do all the work for our clients or for our friends. And then, you know, we're the ones with the mess underneath that need work because we're putting somebody else first. And I think when it comes to being accountable, I think there's a piece of that that it's easier to do for someone else sometimes than it is for yourself because your little, those little subconscious thoughts are not in the way. I always love it. Um, and I've had this conversation with several people. Have you ever walked into someone else's house or office and you can just help them straighten it up or figure something out or arrange a closet or something so easily? And the person who owns the space is like, gosh, I wish I could do that. And the reason the owner can't do it is because they're too attached subconsciously to a lot of little things in the space. Right. And it's like that in our business and in our world. When we do it for someone else, it's easy. It's unattached. We're, and we're usually doing it of a place of service. Might be a little people-pleasing, but we're doing it as a place of service, of not wanting to let somebody down, of I've shared this with somebody. I, wanna, I, I feel good when I accomplish what I said I'm going to accomplish to or for that person. Right. And when it comes to ourselves, again, we get these little we get these little thoughts that we're not even consciously aware of that pull us. We get these really rational ideas of, well, this other thing has to be done first. And well, no, it really doesn't have to be. It seems important at the time, but it pulls us away. And I think a lot of the lack of accountability is people are either fearful or they're missing information or they're unsure about something. And there's too much attachment personally that, that those little voices go off. Whereas, again, if I were to come and do something with you, the attachment's different. Right. And there's also the what will people think issue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to let somebody down. You don't, and you don't want to even let somebody down about yourself. So if I make a statement that says, Michelle, I'm going to do X, and even if X is about me, if I've now shared it with you, I don't want to go to you and say, hey, I didn't do this. Now, what, I, what, I, what humans will do, I say what I might do, but this is all of us, is might say, oh, well, I meant to do it, but this came in and I had to go to the bank and all this stuff that sounds super important. Right. Right, but it's not. And that's kind of what I was stating earlier. But yeah, we don't want to let people down. And it's interesting because we'll let ourselves down because we justify it. Yeah, we do. And, and if we can't find a reason to justify our behaviors or actions, then we start blaming the other person. Oh, absolutely. Or, or the, the event or the circumstance or the weather or, yeah. And yeah. then, and then when, when we put all of the blame, which is putting responsibility and accountability over there, 
it has nothing to do with me, then we get that disconnect. And boy, life just pretty much goes to heck in a handbasket when you start adopting those kinds of attitudes, whereas it's, it's everybody else's fault. It's, right. It's the universe's fault that I'm this way. It's like, no, you chose to be that way. So it's really important. Accountability is. So um, how do procrastination and overwhelm fit into whether or not an individual is going to be accountable? Well, when I work with people, one of the things I see is that they want to be accountable. They have the best intentions. And the moment they feel good, they're going to do it. And when, then when it comes to kind of behind the scenes, when we're not one-on-one -on -one and they've made that commitment and they need to sit down to do the work, they realize that this goal they have, so that say they've got just, I, I don't know what it is, let's say they're going to like create a website just because that's something that has lots of moving parts. They've got this big goal of, and I'm going to give myself maybe 60, 90 days to do it. But then when they start backtracking and seeing all the little pieces that have to be in place when, and all the little things, and I've got to do the copy, and I've got to get design, and I've got to get color, and I've got to hire somebody, and this, this, and this, they go into overwhelm because they're looking at everything at once, mm -hmm. and they stop because the brain can't make a decision at that point. Therefore, it becomes hard for them to to achieve their goals, to be accountable for what they said they're going to do because they truly just get shut down. Mm -hmm. And that's what I see in procrastination too. I think um, people have what I, I kind of call five different procrastination profiles and we weave in and out of them. But, you know, whether you're a perfectionist or a problem finder or you have paralysis by analysis or you do what I call the penalty phase, which is all of us watching, listening that wait till the last minute or the night before, mm -hmm. um, that stops us from being truly accountable. We come up with reasons that are typically, like you and I have already mentioned, something about either not being good enough, not doing it right. And sometimes, and again, this goes back to when you're in a family system, when you're in a business system, any time a team system, it comes back to making sure that if you're the leader, that you've created a strong vision, that people know what the, what the goals and expectations are, and that they have a means to achieve them, meaning do they have the support they need? Do they have the structures they need? Or are they accountable, like you're accountable for doing this, but you're on your own, mm -hmm. right? And that creates, that creates, again, that, well, if I'm on my own, I don't want to screw it up, and I don't want to do it wrong, and I don't want to put all this time and effort in it to do it wrong, and so it stops them. It, they freeze in their tracks and they're not able to, even though I think a lot of times deep down they really want to. Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody wants to walk around and feel like oh, I've let somebody down or I never do it. I never do what I'm going to say, say I'm going to do. Um, but they all often, most of the time, don't ask for the support they need either in order to stay accountable, in order to meet that goal and to have. I think it's such a great feeling and sense of accomplishment when we're like, yes, I said I was going to do this and I did it. You know, even if, even if it's just doing the laundry and actually putting it away and not leaving it in the dryer, right? right. I mean, it's just a sense of accomplishment. Right. So you made a, a statement, a penalty phase. Would you please explain what you mean by that? So I love this. Um, I have had mentors and other people say to me, you know, I'm not a marathon runner. I'm a sprinter using it in terms of how do I get things done? And the, uh, the sprinter is the person who does everything last minute. So it's that, oh, shoot, I said I'd do this. It's due tomorrow, or I told so-and-so I'd be there tomorrow, and I'm not ready, so let me stay up all night. Let me do it last minute. And what they're waiting for is to be in a position where they feel like they've let somebody down or they're going to get in trouble or they're going to get fired or they're going to lose the gig, whatever it is, and they're waiting for that chemical rush to the brain, the endorphins, everything to kick in, the cortisol rush 
which nobody really wants a cortisol rush, but people count on it. It's like they've become, a, they've trained their brain to not work until you get this rush of adrenaline mm -hmm. um, out of fear, out of this place of I may not do it. Mm -hmm. And what I, what I see, and I, I've known just over the years, I have a, a friend who's done some research on this, and, and the research has shown that people who do 15, 20, 30 minutes a day consecutively are long-term far more successful than those of us, especially in the entrepreneurial world, who, you know, maybe get excited. I'll sit down. Okay, I said this is due tomorrow. I can do it. Knock it out. Much like writing a term paper when you were in college or something, and you kind of do an eight-hour thing or an all-nighter, but then they're kind of flat for the next couple of days. They can't get anything else done. Right. And so to me, that penalty phase is that place of, of wanting to meet their accountability wanting to not let somebody down, wanting to, you know, get the accolades and not the potential punishment, but waiting to the last minute. And the really interesting piece here is when I uh, wrote my book years ago and I interviewed a bunch of entrepreneurs, not one person ever said to me, oh, I did it last minute, you know, to get it done. And it was, it was great. Like I wouldn't change a thing. They all said, if I had more time, I'd do this. And next time I, I'll do this. And now I know to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's because they waited to that last minute, that penalty, that place of I'm going to get in trouble or I'm going to miss my deadline and let somebody down or, you know, I'm going to miss a gig or I'm going to get fired. There's that place that came in of fear that pushed them forward. Yes. Thank you. That's that's and I like that you said that it almost becomes like an addiction and to to do that. Um, what do you see as the healthier way to do that, though? If they, if, if they don't wait until the last second and they don't get that adrenaline rush, then what is the motivation to accomplish whatever goal they've set? So motivation is an interesting thing because people are motivated intrinsically deep down by different things. Some of us have uh, a motivation that is just we like to learn and do things for the sake of learning. Some of us have a motivation that is what I call social, which means is a give back to the environment or to the world and you do things for a bigger cause. And that motivation never goes away. That's who we are at our core. We have this kind of intrinsic motivation. Motivation on the top level is I should be motivated to do the work that I was hired to do because it's my job. Right. Right. It's what I was uh, what I'm expecting. And especially if, if I'm, if, you know, if I'm a contract worker, I don't want to lose the job. But if, if I'm employed, I certainly don't want to lose the job and benefits or anything else that I might have. So I think we have to be clear. on, And that's, again, I think I mentioned where the leader, the when somebody has a job or a role to do, it is their responsibility to do it. But I look at it as my job also as the leader to make sure that they are on board with the mission and the goal and they understand their importance of it, that I'm not giving them busy work, that they're, you know, this is important to be done. I don't believe jobs exist just for busy work because people would rather save the money. Every job is important. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and that even comes into a household. You know, if you're raising a family, accountability is equally, if not more important, because it starts at a younger age and every job is important. And when we let things slide, we also teach people that we don't really have boundaries and that they get confused on, and this is especially true for children, but on your teams as well. If you start letting some things slide and not others, and now you're accountable, but you know, Friday you won't be accountable, and then Sunday you'll be accountable again, they get very confused and they don't know what to do. Therefore, they're never mo motivated to take action. Right. But the biggest piece about motivation is just understanding what motivates yourself and your team if you have a team, and then 
really getting clear also on the end, not the goal, end result of the goal. So say I reach my goal and I, you know, say my goal is to make $10,000 and I reach my goal and I make $10,000. Well, the bigger benefit of that is now I get to go on the trip to Hawaii. Right. Like it's what's the next piece. That's the piece that motivates us. Not the little bitty tasks that we have to do, but the bigger thing at the end. Right. Thank you. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we've been listening to Cricket Harrison, who is the uh, professional, who is a professional speaker and has the author of Focus to the Finish Line, Five Steps to Follow Through and fi Finally Make Money. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Michelle Nagel with Roar to Win. Our speaker today is Cricket Harrison, who professional speaker, productivity, and performance expert. And she's talking with us about um, accountability, which is the third letter of Roar, which is resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. And accountability is really a very, very important thing. And I think that we get in a habit sometimes, Cricket. See, let me know if, if this, you have found this as well. We get in the habit of not holding ourselves accountable to ourselves. And then because there are no consequences for ourselves, then that just kind of makes it so that we don't accomplish hardly anything. There has to be a, an accountability with a consequence to it. So how do people set their own consequences if they're only holding themselves accountable? Well, I think the first thing to realize is that when you don't hold yourself accountable, um, the consequences are not always visible. Mm -hmm. The consequences are that you are going to have decreased confidence, lower self-esteem and self-worth. You're not going to feel like you can accomplish anything. And then when, when, when put in a situation where you're challenged with maybe a more daunting task, you haven't built up the stamina, the skill sets, the mindset you know, it's like going back to training for that marathon. You can be a strength sprinter and maybe get through one run because you're lucky and you got enough adrenaline. But when you've got a project or something that's important to you and it takes longer to do, you haven't trained for it. You haven't built up the resilience. And again, ultimately, you know, I think we don't look at the consequences. People don't like to look inside. Nobody wants to, I think the first struggle is people don't want to admit they need help. And they think by being accountable to someone, it means they need help in terms of their week. Mm -hmm. And really it just says, hey, keep me on track. I got a million things going on. It's easy for me to wander off or I really want to get this done. Remind me why this is important to me. Right. 
what we're not saying to people and we don't want to think about ourselves because we just don't want to think about it is, you know, deep down, I don't feel good about myself when I don't do what I say I want to do. So you, you know? think accountability is directly tied to, uh, directly tied to our feelings of self-esteem as well? Well, I think results are. And I think if you're not accountable to what you're saying and you're not getting the results you want, um, I, I think it affects us. I think it definitely affects us. And people don't realize, again, it comes back to a lot of the subconscious piece because you're right. It's about, it's about the choices we make to achieve the goals or results we want. I just don't think we're always so conscious of the choices we're making. Mm-hmm. I think we think we're doing something and oftentimes we're getting steered in another direction because it's safer or it's easier. And to me, when I talk about, you know, really big accountability, it's, it's for goals that are, if you can already do it, then you really don't need to, and you're already doing it, then you really don't need to be held accountable for it, right? That's a little different concept. That's like a to-do list to me. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, consequence-wise, I think the consequences are there. I just don't think we identify them because to go back to my last example is the consequences. If I don't make a, you know, the financial goal that I made up is then, well then guess the ultimate consequence is that I don't get that trip. Right. But I'm not thinking of it as a consequence. I'm going to go, Oh, well, it wasn't a good time to go anyway. And I'm going to justify my results. So I don't have to feel bad about myself. Right. Rationalization is just, I, I like the, you know, when you break it down and say it slow, it's rational lies. Right, right. That's what I say too. Yeah, because that's what we're just telling ourselves. is like, yeah. oh, it didn't really matter. I didn't want it that bad. Or, yeah. yeah, it wasn't meant to be. I uh, love yeah. that one. Oh, it just wasn't meant to be. And I'm like, no, you just didn't do the work. Yeah, yeah. I like that. That's, that's pretty amazing. So what about goal setting? We talk about goal setting all the time. Every time, you know, any business person is taught that we need to do some sort of goal setting. Um, but do smart goals work? So in my opinion, they did when they first came out. But in today's society, I think they're gone. I see, I know people still use them. And I see it and we can use like, to me, the best example is January because everybody's on a diet or on a fitness kick, right? And I can very easily get come up with a specific thing I'm going to do and I can find it measurable because I can see how long I'm going to do it if I'm exercising and it's attainable. I'm not trying to do something crazy like lose 50 pounds in one month or something. It's attainable. Like I'm going to try to exercise 30 minutes a day or something. It's realistic and it's timely. I've got a time frame of 30 minutes a day, one month, 30 days or whatever. People don't do it. And they don't do it for many of the reasons you and I have talked about. So I have created with my clients what I call smart success goals because my whole thing is to set yourself up for success. Mm -hmm. And much like the A in yours is the third letter, the A in mine is the third letter. And I think of it as like the little capital A in there. If I could just make it bigger than anything else, it's that S is about what you and I've talked a little bit about uh, strategy, structures, and support. Okay. Right. If I'm going to reach a goal, I need to know what's my strategy, what structures do I need, what support do I need to do it. Mm-hmm. The M is the mindset. It's that chatter. It's that choice and making sure that we are at choice consciously and that we are aware of when we're being pulled off course. Mm-hmm. And that A, the biggest piece is accountability. And I'm telling you, without that A, I think the whole thing would fall apart. Mm-hmm. I think we have to put it out to friends, to a partner, to somebody that's your buddy or to a coach or to a mentor, whoever that is, or a boss and, and be accountable so that we, we just, you know, 
there's a whole concept of the shadow effect that if you're working side by side with someone versus alone, even if they're, even if they're just in the room watching TV or doing something that the human nature is, we will actually get more done. There's something about being accountable and putting it out there that makes us take action. And it, part of it is that, right, we want, we want to please ourselves and we want to please other people. Um, the R is routine, is the frequency with which you use the structures. And most of my entrepreneurial clients tell me, oh, I hate routine. Routine's boring. I'm creative. I need to do this, which is why they're sprinters. They want to do it in the moment when they feel like it, when it feels good. And they can't work that way 15 minutes a day. Their brain doesn't work that way. And I'm like, yes, it can. Mm-hmm. You train your brain all the time. You just don't realize you do it. And so the routine is the frequency with which you're using the structures. And the T for me is trust. You know, I see people time and time again when I run these the smart success clubs that they have something they want to do and they tell me they're all in and they tell, and, and it's not a big expense. It's, it's really just something to help people, you know, move forward and they come back and they're like, Oh, well I have too much going on or Oh, well this and Oh, well this, but they've given me all this great goal and they were so on board. And the minute they got alone in their head, they started doubting and they're not doubting me because it's about them doing the work. They're doubting themselves. They don't trust the process They don't trust themselves to do the work or to be accountable to someone else. And I think unless you're going to, you need the accountability and then you have to have the trust. Mm -hmm. And I think in the traditional goal setting system, a lot of that's not in there. And really that's to me, the human component that was missing. It like looked good on paper, right? but that human component of how we think and work wasn't in there. And so when I talk about, talk about it, I talk about this in terms of smart success goals and what are, what do we need to do to set yourself up for success? And that accountability is the biggest part of it. Okay. Um, that's really, really great to know that it's, it's um, I think it's important that our um, just kind of zip in right here and let our listeners know where can they learn more about your smart success goals? Oh, well, I run a program called Smart Success Club, and we're in the middle of one right now, and there's always time left for the end of the year because I'm all about helping people rock it out by the end of the year. But the easiest way is really Facebook these days. I mean, I have a website, but you can find me on Facebook. It's Cricket with a K, Cricket Cody Harrison, and I have a free Facebook group where I do lots of trainings, and it's called Bright Outside the Box with a B, Bright, just like the name of my company. And it's about helping you stand out, be seen, and make money in your business. Okay, awesome. Since we were talking about that right there, I wanted to put a plug in right there. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> in case people wanted to go find out more about that. So um, so with all the strategies, though, if, with the, the differences that you have with the, the words that attach to your smart mm-hmm. section, so what is the one thing that gets in the way, even with all those strategies? Fear. It's that, it's the mindset, the mindset trust. If you could loop, lump all that together and say to me what gets in the way the most is fear. Okay. You know, there, and I'm terrible at quoting quotes, but uh, what is it? We're not, we're not afraid of failing. We're afraid of being successful. Yeah, sometimes, yes. Yes. And it's, it's when you have something that you need to be held accountable for, it, it means typically that it's, it, there's a challenge in doing it. Or maybe it's something that requires more time and effort that, they're used, that you're used to doing. So it's different. It's, it's change. It's like you said, in order to change, we have to take action. But we also might have to change our routine. And it's all those little pieces. And there's this underlying fear of, well, I'm not going to do it anyway, or I've never done it before. 
or because I, I, I can't tell you how often I talk to people and they're like, oh, that sounds great. I want to do this. I'm working on this. I want to finish it by the end of the year. And, you know, literally two to three days later, it's like that subconscious little thing comes in their head. And it's that piece that says, well, you say you want to do this, but you never do it. You never do it anyway. So why bother? Don't do this. You know, then, and the biggest thing is if you don't take action on it, you can't fail, right? Right. That's right. Right. It, you know, but you're going to stay where you are and you're never going to change. And, or the goal you want is never going to be reached. You're not going to get the vacation. You're not going to get the raise. You're not going to get whatever it is you want. And right. so I think really it's, I think the ultimate thing is fear, whether it's fear of letting oneself down or fear of letting others down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, um, <laughs> I've noticed that there's, there's something I need to write and what it is, is it's just writing goals or uh, actually writing what I want my life to look like in five years. And I won't sit down and write that because I'm afraid of it. So something so simple as that is, you know, I can make up all sorts of things. So I can't do that. I have to do this first or when I get this done. So we're really good about doing that. And at one point in my life, I did discover that I was really afraid of being successful because then I would have to show up and continue. And I didn't know that I was ready to do that at the time. So how does it help if we've made that decision that we're really going to show up? Does that help, do you think? Well, yeah, because that, that's your mindset. So I love what you said because it's if I'm successful, I'm going to have to be even more accountable right? It's like that place of more pressure. But I think when your mindset is there, when you make that commitment, and that's a commitment that is worth getting up for in the morning and worth, you know, if you're, if you're not a morning person, and, and then it's worth getting up for in the morning. If you're not a night person, it's worth staying up for. When you've got the commitment deep enough to make you adjust what you want, or you're thinking about it all the time, and your mindset is there, I think the accountability comes much more easily because at that point you're committed to the result more than you're committed to the fear or worrying about not doing everything right. So tell me a little bit about yourself, about your journey. Have you always been super accountable? Oh gosh, no. <laughs> no, we do what we need to learn, right? Um, no, I, I grew up uh, in a very different household. My parents were in the travel industry, so we were very fortunate to be kind of jet-setting off places uh, for business. And my mom is from another country, and kind of their philosophy is hurry up and wait. So, uh-huh. so uh, But I guess for me, I learned to survive. Uh-huh. That I kind of, whether you call it coping mechanisms or what, but I'm, I'm, and I'm not a super organized person, but... Yeah, I think like all of us, I didn't want to let people down and we would, we would sometimes be late or whatever. And I, I just got tired of that. And I'm like, I wanted, I learned that I wanted to be true to my word. And I guess really going back to the mindset and where we kind of started is I actually think I respected myself more and felt better about myself when I was able to do what I said I was going to do. When I was able to honor my own word uh-huh. and for there, it just grew. You know, I was... I was never, I was one of those people who at a conference couldn't figure out what room to go to. And so I went to the room on how to make a decision (laughs) and, and, you know, because I would just have so many ideas in my head. And then I've learned over the years, my decision-making skills have got, to me, it was a skill set. You know, like I said, accountability is kind of like a muscle you have to build. Uh, It starts very young. And if you didn't have it very young, it's kind of harder as an adult, but we can do it. 
And, and that's what I did. I learned that in order to uh, raise three children, my mom lives with me to run my business. I had to do what I was going to do and be accountable to myself and to my family or we couldn't function. And when I was able to do, and it was not perfect, trust me, but when I was able to do that, um, the systems worked better. The family system, the business system, and all those things interacted more easily. And so it's, it's really less stressful. If, if coming back to health, we can bring this back to health. It was less stressful. Okay, great. So um, so what, what can people do about their fear? How, do, how are they going to get rid of that? Well, I think I was thinking about this when you made one of your statements when we say, you know, when we get to where we're going to do something and we don't do it. I always try to ask myself this, and it's one of the things I kind of teach about a lot is always ask yourself, what? So if you have something and you're not doing it, what's in the way? What's stopping me? Um, you might want, you know, if you don't want to say what's the fear about, you could say what's this about? Because what it does is it keeps whatever the challenge is out in front of you. Like think of, you know, like we don't, if you ask how or why we go into our head, right? How we try to figure it out and we get confused, why we get defensive. Mm -hmm. And at this point, your brain goes into protection mode. Mm -hmm. When you ask about what, it keeps it about the project or what's out in front of you. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I notice I am not doing something, and if I have noticed that I said I'm going to do something and I haven't, or that I am moving something on a to-do list that I really feel like needs to be on my to-do list, but I'm moving it constantly, meaning I'm not doing it, but something in there tells me it still needs to be on there. Right. I'm going to ask myself, what's stopping me? And get really clear with sometimes it's like, I just hate doing this. Like I'm going to acknowledge whatever it is. Uh -huh. And I think when we can just start to identify what it is and be okay with it, and just say, I really don't like this. Or sometimes it's like, gosh, this makes me uncomfortable. And then my next question is, okay, what's uncomfortable about it? Again, I stick with the word what. I don't say why am I uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, because again, that puts me into defensive mode. I'm going to say, what's uncomfortable about this? What's hard about this? And the, the flip side is that I can say, well, what would make it easier? But I'm always going to ask myself the questions that starts with the word what. I like that very much because then it's definitely less personal as like, it's not about me. It's about, yes, it comes about the task. It's about yeah. the project. And this works great. Just a little bit here for kids. This works great with kids. Yes, it does. Yeah. So, um, so with the account of accountability, again, you talked about people making conscious choices. So how do you define the difference of a person being conscious or unconscious? So the conscious choice is what we can sit here in our head and say, I'm going to do X and this is why I want to do it and all that. The subconscious is the one where sometimes the fear is running. And that's where, as we said, we rationalize. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, it comes to, this is why I'm a big proponent for writing things down is when you look at something you've written down, that's a goal you want to do. You say, you know, what's happening that I didn't do this. You start realizing that there's, there's something steering you away and you're say, well, I, you know, I had to do X or this got in the way. And that's where those rationaliz rationalization pieces come in. That's a great, if, if you ever are in a position where you notice yourself to use a friend or a coach or somebody as a sounding board okay. and say, this is what keeps happening. This is what I'm telling myself. What do you hear? Yes. Remember the word what to keep it about that and not about the person, but to start to recognize you know, the subconscious choices are really hard. 
because ultimately they're there to protect us. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, somewhere deep down, the brain thinks it's doing us a favor and it's protecting us. And it's protecting us from getting hurt or made fun of or from feeling let down or from something. And so I think the other thing sometimes is just to tell ourselves, hey, I'm okay. You know, thanks for protecting me, but I'm safe. Yes. And trying to make sure, am I doing, did the things I do today, did they support me in my goal and in what I said I would do? Mm -hmm. And if not, it goes back to what got in the way. Right. Yes. I, I really do like that, that stress on, on using the word what, because it does make such a, a difference. Uh, I've heard people, or I've even said to myself sometimes, is why do I always do that? Which does then put me in this kind of like squirrel cage of where I start making excuses and I start rationalizing. I start doing all of those, um, those negative patterns because I haven't looked at it as a different task all by itself. So we are going to take a quick break and please come back and listen to the rest of our podcast. Our guest today is Cricket Harrison and she's given you some really awesome tips here that you can really implement in your life. And we'll be right back. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's Virtual Office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's Virtual Office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's Virtual Office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Welcome back. This is Michelle Nagel with Roar to Win, and our guest today is Cricket Harrison. She's the founder of the Smart Success Club, which, boy, sorry, tripped that one up. Smart <laughs> Success Club, uh, which is an online accountability group for entrepreneurs. And uh, Cricket, I would like you to tell us just a little bit about how did you come to this work? You told me that, you're, um, that you didn't have the ability to kind of uh, direct your own life. It was more of a spontaneous hurry up and wait kind of thing, which made you really uncomfortable. But how did you decide to form a business around this? Oh, I suppose it's because I, uh, I worked for years for other people and figured out very quickly I liked doing things on my own. Um, you know, with a degree in psychology and communication, I just, after having kids, found a way I wanted to use this. I learned very quickly that I am a great mother and a great wife, and I was not a great housewife. <laughs> so I needed something to do. I, I loved my kids. I loved being with them, but being a stay-at-home mom, and kudos to all of you that love it. I didn't love it. So I found something that I could do that used my, my skill sets and my uh, do a lot of behavioral analysis and understanding people and how they think and learn and had worked in, the, in a community where I worked with adults with learning disabilities as well. And I just put all that together because I really realized in working with different people that we should all know how we work best. It shouldn't come down to whether somebody has dyslexia or something else. It's about, okay, how do I work best? How do you work best? And again, accountability feeds into that. What's the way for me to be the most accountable? Well, I have to have the structures and the systems that support me in the way I work and learn. And then it's easier for me to be accountable and, and accomplish my goals. 
And so I was able just to take it and it started in 2002 and it's just kind of grown and morphed very organically over time. And I've been doing this end of my work now for about 11 years out of the 16. Yeah, 16. Wonderful. So I really appreciate the things that you're sharing. Um, with, the, with the goals that we set, sometimes you talked about those great big humongous goals that people set. How do you get to those great big humongous goals? Little by little. Um, I think there's a phrase or a book. I don't know if it's a book. It's like, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Yeah. I think the key is understanding. You know, I think we forget how many little steps everything takes. Mm -hmm. Because when things become easy, the brain forgets about them. When we see a new project, and we see all the steps involved. So say you have a 90-day goal or a six-month goal, and you've got, you've got to break that down. I always say work backwards. If I want to be here in six months, what do I have to have done? When do I need to have done it by? And if I wanted, you know, whatever, if I wanted to start a new business in six months, do I want to research? Whatever it is I want to do, you work backwards. And the key is to understand that under each thing, there are a bunch of little pieces and parts that make them move. But to think of them as, you know, we tend to, we tend to make things that are not exciting. We tend to interpret them as hard or painful. Okay. And they're not. They're just not stimulating. And the brain likes to be stimulated. So it's learning to break it down, learning to delegate out. I'm a big proponent of delegation of what you know, delegate out what you're not good at, what's hard for you. If, you. if it's not something you want to get help on or it's too time consuming for what you're doing, delegate it out. But breaking it down into small chunks and realizing that all those little steps are no different than when you learned to tie a shoe when you were younger. There were a lot of little steps. There were a lot of little pieces and parts and your little brain had to worry about holding your fingers right and holding the laces right and forming the loops and doing all this stuff that now you don't even think about. Right. And again, that to me goes back to routine, but, but realizing in a big project, you have to break it down. And this is where accountability is key because in order to reach that goal, you have to actually stay on task and on target. Uh -huh. But every time I, I uh, teach a lot of people to put a little sticker on their computer that says, I'm doing this and it says for the purpose of blank. Oh. So when you're doing the nitty gritty, the stuff that's not the exciting piece, you can say, I'm doing this for the purpose of getting to the exciting piece. Okay. Yeah, that's you know, something idea. that helps you remember what's the bigger, we talked about motivation. What's the bigger motivation? What's the end result? What's the benefit of getting this done? And also because it helps you be consciously aware of why you're doing something, even if you're sidetracked. Because if you're sidetracked and you say, I'm doing this for the purpose of taking a break, my brain is fried, then that's okay because you're consciously a choice. If you've gone to research something, and before you know it, you're on the Nordstrom site looking up dresses and clothes and coats and all this stuff. Then you go, I'm doing this for the purpose of, and you go, oh, I was researching something. I'm not supposed to be here. And you pull yourself back because that's where this accountability can nosedive on us. If we have a big project and we, we don't do those little things, we uh -huh. don't stay, you know, which is why we see things done, you know, in the market, in the fashion industry, and you know, everywhere in the business industry, they're six months to a year ahead because they have to in order to get it out on time for the calendar. Right. And we have to learn to realize that the things we do can work like that as well. So why do you think people set a goal for themselves and then 
just abandon it. Why, why do you think they do that? Uh, either because they haven't, they feel like the goal is too big and it's unreachable for them. It's not realistic enough for them. Mm -hmm. Or they, you know, if somebody says to you, you know, I want to get 15 clients, you know, in three months, that's great. 15 clients. If they focus on 15 all the time, mm -hmm. it's going to be hard. If they say, okay, well, that means I've got to get three clients a week or one client a week, whatever that is, that's much more doable. And we can remember that and hold on to it. The other thing is, is and you, you'll probably see that there's a lot of 90-day programs going around now. Uh -huh. And that's because it's really easy for the brain to hold the idea for 90 days. Uh -huh. Past that, it, we kind of lose the details and we lose sight of it. I'm a big believer in visual. I'm not saying put clutter everywhere in your room or in your office, but I think at some point you need some kind of timing line wall or mapping that you are visually aware of. If you have a team, the team is visually aware of it to see, to help keep you on track. And sometimes it's because the big goal is so far away, uh -huh. you know, that, that we need those little goals. And here's another piece. We need to celebrate reaching the little goals. Okay. We don't celebrate enough. We make it like, well, I was supposed to do that anyway, or that's just part of it. Instead right. of like, yeah, knocked that one off. Good. Now I can go on to the next step, you know? Right. Yes. And I think when we can celebrate and appreciate what we've accomplished and be excited about where it's taking us, which is that bigger goal, we're more likely to stay on track. Yeah. We also, uh, we kind of downplay the things yeah. that we've accomplished and what good does that do? And it's, it's like just, ignore it. It's like this thing you've been working for for such a long time. And when it shows up, it's like, okay, next task. And we don't yeah, yeah. to celebrate that. That's a really important thing. So what kinds of things have you celebrated recently? Oh gosh, what have I done? So recently for me has been working on my speaking career. I, I, I speak on productivity and performance and uh, finally joined the National Speakers Association, which was a big one for me, joined as a professional member. So I celebrated that. And, you know, you have to be careful these days because when you celebrate, people think you're just being narcissistic. And it's like, no, you don't know what I worked for to get here. Like, I waited till my kids were grown. I wanted to do this 20 years ago and I couldn't do what I wanted to do and be the mom I wanted to be. I made a choice. And also the meetings were on Saturday mornings. And so this year, my daughter, my baby's a sophomore in college. And I'm like, this year I'm doing it. That was a big goal for me. I had to have a certain number of paid talks. I had to document things. So if anybody's ever been down that path, uh, that's a big one. And then um, just some family stuff that, that we've, we've done and accomplished. And I, I do like to celebrate. I, and again, it's not from this, look at me, I'm awesome. Maybe that's for me internally. It's really more acknowledging the, the hard work that went into it, the, the, uh, the steps, the fortitude, the, um, the ability to stay on track and focus and not wander off and change your mind 50 times, which if no one knows what we're doing, we can do, right? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so that's been one of my bigger ones. And, and the next step right now is working on that, on that bigger keynote and booking speaking engagements. And, you know, every time you get one booked, it's like, that's a celebration in itself, because that's task oriented. It's, you know, the speaking is the fun part. The business behind it is not as fun. Right. You know, and yet I have to be able to do that work to stay, to get to where I want to go. Absolutely. Right. So right. what if somebody has set this big, big, hairy, audacious goal and decided to go for it and then halfway through discover that their ladder is on the wrong wall? 
What do you suggest for people that have done that? So that happens. And then you go back and you say, okay, well, A, now you know, because you wouldn't have known. I don't think things happen for um, in a bad way. I think you had, sometimes we have to do those things to figure it out. It's mm -hmm. so much easier for us to say, no, not that, than it is to create from nothing. Uh-huh. And I always love this because think about it if you're ordering takeout with a group of people and you say, what do you want for dinner? And they say, oh, I don't care anything. And you say, how about Chinese? They go, no, not that. <laughs> the minute you give them something to work with, they can make a decision. And so sometimes we have to, when we're not sure, we have to try it. Uh -huh. We have to try it. And, we're, and that key is to not feel bad about it. Uh, one of the things I did early on was I went back, gosh, three different semesters to get my uh, master's in education and then eventually counseling and teaching. And all three semesters, somebody was, somebody close to me, immediate family was in the hospital. Sorry about that. Let me, I didn't know that was going to happen. And um, one of those times it was me. And at that point, you're like, okay, something's off here. So even though I love to teach and educate, maybe this isn't the place for me. And what I looked at is, okay, so I started down that path. I realized it wasn't the right goal for me because there were pieces of that goal that were kind of drudging on me, taking me out of my element, kind of shutting me down. And what I learned was that there are pieces in there that work and there are pieces that don't. And the pieces that work can go in a different direction. Uh-huh. So ultimately at heart, I'm still a teacher and a trainer. I'm still up in front of people speaking like I would be in a classroom, but my classroom is associations or entrepreneurs or something much different. Right. Right. So I think there's always something in there. And when I see this happen, I often ask, okay, what's the good part? What did you like? What did you not like? Right. And, and kind of evaluate it from there and then look at what, what else. But I also want to see, was this truly your goal and your ambition and your drive? Or was this the, what your parents or your family sh thought you should have done? Was this somebody else's belief? Was this somebody else's direction that they pushed you in and you weren't sure? Because, you know, that happens too. Right. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Cricket, for spending this time with us. This is um, Michelle Nagel with Roar to Win. Our guest today has been Cricket Harrison. She's a professional speaker and productivity and performance expert. Cricket, again, please tell us how people can connect with you. Uh, that's great. Thanks, Michelle. They can reach out to me on Facebook at Cricket Cody Harrison and join our free Facebook group. That's where I do a lot of trainings much like this where we talk about things like accountability. And it's bright outside the box, just like the business name, and it's free to join. And that's my website also, brightoutsidethebox.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Cricket. Thanks I'm for having me. grateful that you joined us. This is Michelle Nagel with Roar to Win. Please join us again as we have another really excellent surprise guest for you next, next time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining us today as we learn happiness hacks, relationship tools, how to refuel our resilience batteries and perfect our roar. Resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. Roar to win. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This is the EWN Podcast Network.